Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Thursday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kenny with you. Happy Thursday. Thanks for being with us. The Boilers slay one of their other dragons in the Big Ten getting an overtime dub at Mackey Arena last night. We'll get to that after headlines this morning. Also on the show, Gardner Minshew's Pro Bowl selection. Does it actually mean something for the Colts? We'll explain that uh, this hour. Also this hour, a lot of news in F1 as it pertains to America. And we'll get into F1's uh, rejection of Andretti's bid to compete in the series at the end of the hour. Also in hour number two, Purdue now set for their biggest game left on the schedule. So, yes, no, it's not hosting IU. Sorry, IU fans. You're just not that much of a draw. This season, uh, but their biggest game left of the season coming up, and really the only thing standing in the way of Purdue dominating the Big Ten yet again. Also, in hour number two, Jerry Jones can't help but open his mouth on Bill Belichick, what mm. he had to say, and why this toxic relationship could be one of the best we've ever seen in sports. And it's not just Tyrese Halliburton that could miss on NBA honors; another NBA star, Joel Embiid, uh, also. At risk, what Halliburton had to say, and hopefully this will prompt the NBA to change the rule. And before we leave you, uh, after 8.50, a Pizza Hut sign in Canada goes viral for a funny typo. I I guess, well, it's really more of the the wrong word. I'm guessing an autocorrect on a printout. Uh, Yes, I did see this yesterday. It was great. I don't know if it's an autocorrect. Why would autocorrect... True. A common word for yes. an uncommon word. So yeah, I'm kind of calling BS on the autocorrect. That's true. That's true. So we'll we'll uh, we'll tell you about the sign. It is quite entertaining. Uh, at the end of the show, <laughs> yes. Four six eight six two. As always, how you reach us on the text line again? Four six eight six two. Also, don't forget you can listen to us thirteen eighty thefan dot com via the thirteen eighty thefan mobile app, free for you to download and listen anytime, anywhere, or on your smart speaker. Also free to listen anytime, anywhere. All right. Morning. Hello. Good morning. I, uh, I'll probably crash later in the show, but... Uh, <laughs> Are you feeling good right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm faking the energy. Okay. Because I was up late last night, so we had like a game night at a friend's house. Okay. On a so Wednesday? It, huh? Yeah. And then so I came back at... I mean, we got done at nine, and I came back after, then watched the Purdue game. Ah, uh, gotcha. So uh, I went to bed about 11. So, uh, you know, off my regular schedule. Yes. So you're off to a good start. We'll see if you can continue yeah, well, for the next two hours. That's not going to continue. Yeah, it's, it's downhill from here. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. We already know. All right. So we start off with headlines this morning in the NFL. And once again, another coaching hire. The Seahawks have named their next head coach, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. As their head coach, he now becomes the youngest head coach in the NFL at 36. He gets a six-year contract. Interesting move. Yeah, it's uh, once again teams trying to find that next big thing uh, in terms of uh, you know maybe the next Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan and hiring young guys. But um, we'll see how it works out for Mike McDonald. Um, you look at, I mean, he's had plenty of experience in the NFL and coaching under John Harbaugh. Um, he 
has a lot of experience in calling an elite defense with Baltimore. How he is able to direct an entire team is a big question you know, with his offense. Who is he hire as an offensive coordinator? And I guess it's interesting that Seattle goes from one of the oldest head coaches in football to now the youngest head coach in football. So it, is that going to be also translated into the roster and going young in Seattle? We'll have to see. Another interesting note on this hire, Ravens defensive coordinators to go on to be head coaches. Of course, Chuck Pagano was with the Colts, uh, went 53-43, and 3-3 in the playoffs. Mike McDonald, uh, D.C. the past two years in Baltimore, will remains to be seen on his record. Rex Ryan from 2005 to 2008. Uh, 61 and 66 went four and two. Obviously, had a AFC championship game, uh, or two, right? Yeah, I guess it would have been two. Yeah. Uh, Mike Nolan who went on to coach the Niners. He did not have success. 18 and 37, no playoff appearances. And then Marvin Lewis, who's the Ravens DCs from 1996 to 2001, went 131, 122, and three. <laughs> but here's the kicker 0 and seven in the postseason. 0 and seven in the playoffs. <laughs> Never could get it done. With the Bengals in the playoffs. No. And so, it was almost comedic in, yes. in the way he couldn't win a playoff game. Considering, like, they were good teams. Now, they weren't great teams. They weren't right. contending for Super Bowls, to be clear. Like, no. none of those. But they had, like, plenty of opportunities. There was a game that was, it seemed like they played Pittsburgh almost every year. But they had that shootout game, and Carson Palmer got hurt, and then that was kind of it. And it was all downhill from there. But he... Kept hanging on with the franchise for quite some time, even when they were no yes, longer he did. Well, competitive. I mean, they, that's what the expectations were or lack thereof. Um, they lost to the Colts one of those years, I remember, on the road. Um, just kept making the plays. It was around the early 2010s, late 2000s, that they just could not buy a win in the playoffs. And that was a big thing because they had made the playoffs for the first time in like almost two decades. And then they just couldn't win a game in the playoffs. And they've been able to get over that hump yeah. the last couple of years. Of course, missed the playoffs this year, but uh, consecutive trips to the conference championship game and then, of course, the Super Bowl in 2021. For sure. Uh, meanwhile, elsewhere in the NFL, the Packers. Interesting move. They've hired Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley as their defensive coordinator. Hmm. Now, Boston College is a program that... In the past, I feel like you could have success at anymore. It seems very, very tough. And for whatever reason, they have not had success in the last, I don't know, five or so years. He did a decent job. In fact, Boston College went seven and six this season. It'd be SMU, a ranked team in the Fenway Bowl. That's kind of the highlight. 22 and 26 in four seasons at Boston College. They d- he did get him to bowl eligibility in three of his four years. But this is a program that 20 years ago was viewed as a lot better and bigger program sure. so there i mean i guess i can't blame him for for moving on no not at all and he's a guy with plenty of coaching experience in the nfl yes. served as db's coach with tampa bay and cleveland and san francisco for the better part of seven eight years in the 2010s so this isn't a guy that has no experience in the nfl coming from college so um i it's it's green bay i mean they tend to figure it out and make good hires so yeah um I do think for a guy that's going to come in and try to really change a defense that was all right, but not good enough. And when you have a burgeoning QB one borderline potential franchise quarterback in 
Jordan Love and the the strides that he'd shown this season, you need to shore up that defense to put a complete team together. And I'm sure that will be the priority for Jeff Halfley coming to Green Bay. In the NBA, they made it official. We talked about this before, but they've officially expanded their draft to two nights. Night one will be June 26th at the Barclays Center, first round. Night two, June 27th at ESPN Studios in NYC, the Seaport District. Uh, That will be the second round. Time between picks increases to four minutes from two for the second round. Like you've said, does anyone really need this? Well, I think... It, it, it's either way for me. I understand because nobody watches the second round Correct. on draft night. And that's, I guess that's my case why in theory I'm in favor of it. But the other thing is you go from a Thursday night only event to a Thursday Friday and you're you, only your diehards are watching that right. Friday night. Yeah. That's the, that's the issue here. How many people are really staying home on a Friday night to watch G league guys get taken in the second round? You're not. I mean, that's the thing. And that's just the nature of the NBA is a lot of those second round picks aren't going to be household names in the NBA. And like you said, diehards are watching, but how many of them are there on a Friday night? But I do agree that it, I think it helps the visibility of your sport having it on two nights as opposed to an afterthought after the first round. But the second round just doesn't mean anything, unfortunately. Yeah, if the second round meant a lot more in terms of players getting playing time, I guess we would, and I'm not talking playing time in the G League, I'm talking playing time in the association. And now as some people will say, well, you know, uh, Nico Jokic was a second round pick. I mean, there's there's going to be exceptions. Yes. Right? Draymond Green, your favorite NBA player, was a second round pick, um, if I remember. So there are guys that have gotten taken in the second round that turn into really, really good NBA players. There's just not a lot of no, no, there certainly are not a lot, and I don't know if this is going to help the draft. We shall see. I I will be surprised if it gets anywhere close to the rating the first round gets, but the thing is, the first round, uh, this is not a good draft year. <laughs> you look at some of the mock drafts, and I'm like, who? Who, who? are these people? Who? Like, none of these guys are anywhere on a college basketball fan's radar whatsoever, let alone... The G League Ignite team, which was kind of started to try to get college players, and and they really don't have anything this year either. Um, in fact, I was talking with John Nolan the other day, and he was saying, you know, they don't really have, <laughs> they don't really have the players that they had in the past. You know, like a, a Scoot Henderson, for example, sure. or the Thompson twins. That like they don't have those kind of guys. So, and unfortunately, NIL obviously impacting the quality level of that team. Who's the, like, is there a consensus number one? Is it that dude from USC that's like... No. No? I, I've was seen... Was Isaiah Collier? Is that his name? No, he's... I mean, he was supposed to be up there, but I have seen international players. I've seen this kid from Colorado, Cody Williams. Really? Who... You know, I, mm. I don't know. There, there are just... There are a lot <laughs> Colorado, of Colorado, huh? I've seen several... I mean... Dalton Connect is listed on a mock draft at sixth overall. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kentucky have a dude, that Justin Edwards kid? Um, Kentucky has a lot of dudes. Uh, Rob Dillingham is actually the highest on this mock draft I'm looking at. Justin Edwards, he's below Reed Shepard. Let's see. There's the the 7-2 guy that Kentucky has. Uh, 
I, I'm looking at a mock draft right now that has the Pacers at number 13 taking a dude from Weber State that yeah. I've never heard of. Yeah. So it is not like if you're a college basketball fan and you're curious how these players are going to do in the draft, uh, outside of some like one and done type guys, like again, this Cody Williams guy from Colorado who I've only heard of because he's showed up on mock drafts and then Jacoby Walker or Walter, excuse me, from Baylor. I mean, it's just, it's, there aren't a lot of big names on the first round list. It's not a who's who of dudes no. in the first round. And now the NBA wants you to watch the second round. Yeah. Only the diehards. Yes. But at least I think at the very least it's catering to the diehards that don't have to stay up till midnight to watch the entirety of the second round or later. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, elsewhere in golf, they're always trying to figure things out after the Saudi investment fund, but the, uh, PGA tour and SSG are partnering to launch PGA tour enterprises as negotiations with the Saudi PIF will continue. Players will receive equity shares in this new entity. So the SSG is the strategic sports group, which is a collection of us sports team owners they're invest up to $3 billion in their new for-profit entity, PGA Tour Enterprises. This whole thing is I don't know, AMS. I don't understand a word you just said. I, I don't What either. are they investing in? I, I don't understand. The, it's so like the prize PGA money is, and events? I, I, I guess, yeah, because it's gone from non-profit to for-profit. Okay. I don't understand. So nearly 200 <laughs> PGA Tour players will receive equity in PGA Tour Enterprises with ownership share okay, based so on career accomplishment. Yeah, so they're like buying it. So they're making them part owners yes. in, in a way of PGA Tour. Trying to make them more invested in the tour so they don't leave for live. Yeah. Is that kind of what it, I understand? Yes, and these, they're still negotiating with the Saudi PIF on future investment and merger agreement. So, and, and their strategic alliance partner, the DP World Tour, remains in the conversation. They're trying to figure all this out. Golf has got to figure this out. This is just, it's nonsense. I don't know what else to say. I mean, golf has has been, for a long time, this has been the case, but now it's even more than I can remember. It comes down to four events. Like, nobody cares unless it's a major. I would argue it comes down to one event. With the Masters? Yes. I, I would agree. I mean, in terms of that's your premier event, Right, as opposed to uh, the, the Open Championship and all that stuff. Like the the other events, yes, they're still considered majors, but the Masters is the only event that's even on the radar for people anymore. Yeah, I get golf fans are, are probably yelling at me and saying, "Oh, there are four majors." I understand that, but for the casual viewer, the Masters is the only, the only event that, on the yeah. on the radar for anyone. Yeah, and it's just um, you got what four majors or five four. four? But then you also have like British you know Open. TPC, yeah, like the, the the players championship. So Pebble Beach, obviously, like there are other big events, but yeah, they're not but it, a major. Yeah, it's just uh, that's kind of where you're at with golf. I'm not. I've never been a golf guy anyway, but it just seems like it's more and more, um, more business side than anything. Like it, it dominates the headlines. Well, because that is the headline. Uh, that's the problem. Yeah, that's, I know. I, mean, that's I agree. Problem. It used to be people would get sick. Some people would get sick of Tiger, but that was the discussion. You were talking about actual performance on the course. Now you're not. It's all litigation and court cases and investments and negotiations with PIF and it's it, nah. Bill Mickelson, Greg Norman, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, and it's all off course stuff. Like you said, no thanks. It's it's unfortunate, but I just I don't 
see how this is going to end well for golf. Yes, they're getting a big cash influx, but when you're <laughs> angering a lot of your American fans, that cannot be a good thing. Not in the long term. All right, college basketball. In women's college basketball, Caitlin Clark adds to the milestones. She's now in second place on the NCAA women's all-time scoring list. Uh, she passed former Ohio State star Kelsey Mitchell on a layup, 3,402 points. So she's now moving up the list. Uh, she's now at 3,424 career points. We'll set her sights on the NCAA's all-time scoring record of 3,527 held by Washington's Kelsey Plum. Which she should break. Yes, she I mean, will. It's only like 120 points. Also, the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer. She finished with 35 and a 110-74 win over Northwestern last night. Fifth straight 30-point game. She is projected to break Plum's record February 5th against Michigan because she's averaging over 30 points a game. She's also in the top 10 career all-time in assists, free throws, and field goals in women's basketball history. Uh, Have you found yourself watching more women's basketball because of Caitlin Clark? Um, I, I don't feel like it's had an impact. Like I'll, I'll catch a little, the, the problem is so like the IU Iowa game a couple weeks ago. Yeah. There was, that was at the same time as what NFL divisional playoffs. So I'm, I'm choosing the divisional right. playoffs. Um, otherwise I, I guess I'd be more interested, but I think I'd I'd be more interested if IU and Purdue were more competitive and I get that IU is having a good season, yeah, but they're, they're not to 10? the level that they were a couple uh I guess last season. Yeah. So Sydney Parrish hurt. Yeah, that's help. a huge loss for for the Hoosiers indeed. But I yeah, find I, I, I don't know. Clark will go to the Indiana fever and then that that will draw <laughs> a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh I find myself watching more highlights, yes, I guess. I agree with that. But I'm not watching any more women's basketball games because of Caitlin Clark. I think she's an amazing player and all that stuff. It still doesn't draw me in. I think there's a belief that more people will watch something because of an individual player. And I think there are some people like that that tune in. I'm not one of them. Oh, the numbers bear that out. Completely. No, totally. Absolutely. I'm just not one of them. For and that's, sure. And that's fair. Uh, meanwhile, back here in the Fort Wayne area, Grace still rolling their number one. Listen to this score, Justin. Okay. They beat Indiana Wesleyan on the road 99 to 71. And Indiana Wesleyan's ranked number five. Iwu is no joke. And you're <laughs> no. having to go down there and play them. Uh, I saw Iwu, uh, Indiana Tech, uh, I think it was like the first game of the season. It was an, an exciting game. I, I want to say that Indiana Tech, they, they had their chances. They probably should have won that game. I'm trying to remember, um, but I mean, I was a very talented team for grace to do what they did. They're now 21 and 0. obviously first place in the conference. Number one, uh, in, in, I, in AIA. So just a phenomenal performance last night. Their leading score, Elijah Malone. He's a, a guy from Prairie Heights. So there's some, uh, local feel, feel there. Um, I think you got guys from uh, a couple guys from Blackhawk Christian Marcus Davidson, of course. Uh, Jacob Gibbs, who's where no Cade Gibbs, uh, the older brother. Um, I think they're twins, Cade and Jacob from Plainfield. So it's a lot of Indiana flavor for sure. But seeing Elijah Malone lead them in scoring is pretty cool. And Gage Sefton from Blackhawk Christian's also on that team. Marcus Davidson, as I mentioned, so uh, incredible, incredible start to the season and. 
you open eyes when you house Indiana Wesleyan like that because they are very much the standard in this area in terms of NIA and AIA basketball. And for you to go down there and beat it by almost 30 is pretty crazy. Uh, and Indiana Tech did. They did win that game, the season opener, 85-83. So that was a fun one uh, at the Schaefer Center to start out the season. Indiana Tech men's team has kind of struggled back and forth on the year, 13-8. and eight. Um, but sounds IU esque. Yeah, but they're eleven and four in the conference. Oh, okay, so that's better. That's the, that's the different <laughs> different part of it. So hopefully uh, the Warriors can get rolling. All right, four six eight six two. Your text line number again four six eight six two. Time to talk Purdue Boilermakers and what a game it was last night. Purdue escapes Northwestern in overtime at Mac Arena last night. Huge games from so many players for the Boilers. Zach Eady. Had uh, 30 and 15. I mean, just continuing his dominance, had 10 of his points in OT. He uh, took over in this game. Uh, you, you go down the list, and and for Purdue, it's everyone can can can, can can't talk can contribute. Uh, 26 for Lance Jones, uh, 15 for Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith. Oh, just 11 points, 16 assists. And only two turnovers. His stat line was the biggest thing that jumped out to me in this game because I think he had almost 10 assists in the first half without a turnover and just continued to grow that in the second half and overtime. Just uh, an emphatic point after being left off the, uh, the Bob Cousy list is what he did last night. Just astounding. And I continue to point to this, and and I'll continue to say it. Lance Jones, to me, is the X factor for this team, and he is the reason why they have been so steady, I think, all season, is to have a guard with his level of experience, who's a good defender, who's turned into way more of a scoring threat than I think anyone ever imagined for Purdue. And he has been kind of that guy who can kind of set the tone for Purdue. And, And I think that's been... Huge for the Boilers, and he was big last night. Five of seven from three. Uh, again, 26 for Purdue. So they, they have, again, four or five guys any given night, right, that, that can beat you. Zach Eady, of course, being one of them. And if you just get one other piece to step up, they're good. And, and last night, it was a handful of guys. It was a lot that they needed it because Northwestern was, was I mean, Boo Booey was as advertised, but he had plenty of help yesterday for Northwestern. Uh, I thought uh, Ty Berry played a tremendous game for Northwestern. He hit six threes. Between him and Bowie, they collectively hit 13 threes. 13 of Northwestern's 14 made shots from beyond the arc. And Northwestern challenged Purdue. You felt eventually they were going to put the the Wildcats away. They never really did. And took this game in overtime. Chris Collins was none too happy about the discrepancy in free throws in overtime. 13 to three. Eventually he gets ejected. But Purdue, uncharacteristically maybe, leaving the door open at the free throw lines is 29 of 46. At one point, they were like 14 of 25 from the line. The discrepancy at the free throw line. Yeah, 46 to 8. And uh, that's I why can, Chris Collins went absolutely I ballistic. I can understand why Chris Collins I can went too. ballistic. In the Big Ten, okay, some games legitimately one team is fouling more. And and I am I am watching most of that game last night is that Northwestern was fouling more. But... In the physical play that is the Big Ten, you cannot tell me that Purdue didn't foul more than what they were called for. 15 to 30. 
uh, was the foul discrepancy and 46 to eight in terms of the free throws. And yet Northwestern took the game to overtime because yeah, imagine Boo Boo and Ty Berry were, were unstoppable last night. Yeah. I mean, uh, and uh, buddy Ryan Eaton chiming in about the free throw disparity. I'm, I'm not going to blame officials, but I am going to question saying you really think that game was, well, there was hook and holds that they just they reviewed and didn't call. Yeah, it was. It was they were right there and didn't call them. And then, um, I, I am I am perfectly in agreement with Chris Collins and being upset. That said, I don't know if Northwestern wins that game if they shoot fifteen more free throws on the scoreboard. You'd say they do, but who knows how that changes the rest of the game? But I can say that Chris Collins definitely has a good case with the Big Ten in terms of how that game was called for his team last night. Him going off on Courtney Green was absolutely hilarious. And then <laughs> shaking Matt Bader's hand and talking, you know, like, oh, everything's fine. And then him literally like dapping up Zach Eady. Yes. Also good. I mean, that was great. And then him, you know, get the fans to yes, cheer. Because- I mean, it was just it was it felt like an iconic moment last night at Big Ten Basketball. It was 45 seconds of greatness out of Chris Collins. So if you have not seen it, look it up on Twitter or whatever. So he goes, this is after a technical foul called on Northwestern, on Boo Booey, right? And then Chris Collins is yelling at his, uh, his, uh, one of his players saying, I'm good, I'm good, when he's being uh, yeah. thrown out. And then, then it gets crazy, because then, he's, they, then he goes over and shakes Matt Bader's hand, which is great, gives thumbs up to all the, the players of Purdue, then dabs up, as you mentioned, Zach Eady, pumps up the crowd as he leaves, it's just a phenomenal 45 seconds of Chris Collins that it, you have to see to believe. It's amazing. I'll say this, and this is going to make a lot of people upset. Zach Eadie's getting fouled constantly. Now, there are some where people show a video replay and the officials are, are calling a foul on the defender and whatever. It should be a play on, but he is getting hacked constantly. I, I, yeah. I, I agree with Purdue fans on that aspect. And... You know, he is a the toughest guy for officials to officiate because you could probably call a foul on the de- de- defender every time, even if they're playing straight up. It's just the, the reality. So well, this and, is yeah. the, the toughest part, and in, in, as people pointed out on the text line at 46862, in 46862, uh, the text line number, uh, Mac Arena turned into the hall of calls. Uh, I find that funny because IU doesn't get calls at home. Uh, also... Uh, not an IU fan. That game last night is proved Purdue will not make it out of the first weekend of the tourney. Someone else saying, I didn't watch the game, but Purdue sounds weak and vulnerable. You can't miss free throws in March. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, that's well, not the conclusion I drew last night. The, the conclusion I drew is Purdue took down one of the teams that have, that has given them fits the last couple years. And they took care of business despite an elite shooting performance from Northwestern. Boo Booey and, and Ty Berry were unbelievable. I mean, they went 14 to 27 from three, Northwestern. Right. That, that's incredibly efficient. So I, I my takeaway is not, oh, Purdue's not going to get those calls in March. Yes, they probably won't because we all know the Big Ten is officiated differently than March. But Purdue has the guards to overcome that discrepancy and that change in March. And they have the guard play that they didn't have last year. I think we're in a position where, and and I get it from some people that are looking for any type of vulnerability with Purdue because it's in diff- it's very difficult to find it. So when I think when you look at last night and say, yeah, twenty nine to forty six, they can't miss seventeen free throws and expect them to get to the final four. I get it, but that's not a trend for Purdue. 
a, a trend is IU that can't consistently shoot free throws, right? I mean, you look at UConn and last night beat an average Providence team UConn by nine points in that game. Yeah, like top teams aren't going to beat everybody by twenty twenty five. Okay, I'm not saying that Purdue isn't vulnerable, but I think any team is vulnerable if they play bad enough. And Purdue shoots nearly seventy two percent from the free throw line as a team. That's solid. I just think Northwestern's style of play, much like Rutgers, is extremely frustrating to play against. I do think that Chris Collins has a point with the foul discrepancy, for sure. But Purdue, in the end, won the game in overtime and was really impressive in doing it. Um, You're not going to get max effort and max performance every game out of even the best teams in college basketball. Evidence last night, if you watched any of that UConn game. Okay. Um, but I do think we are around with the Purdue, Purdue haters or IU fans that look for any vulnerability with Purdue, they're going to jump on. And I understand it. I understand where the mindset is because you don't like Purdue. I get it. But they're 20 and two for a reason. And maybe we're eating our words in a, in a month and a half and they lose in the first round or lose in the first weekend. We'll be right here in the morning. You can tell us all that you told us so. I'll go out on a limb and say I feel very confident they're not losing in the first round, let alone the first weekend. You are very confident. I would have yes. said the same thing, though, last year. They are a better team, though, than they were last year. But I think last night really showed, once again, if it's, you know, Zach Eady goes for 30 and 15, but you had Braden Smith just tremendous, 11 points, 16 assists. 16 assists. You had Fletcher Lawyer hitting multiple threes. You had Lance Jones uh, going for 26. Uh, off the bench, Mason Gillis was big, hit a couple threes, finished with double digits and points. Um, it was a a true team effort for Purdue. Northwestern challenged them. Boo Booey is phenomenal and played like 42 of a possible 45 minutes in that game, uh, which is pretty tremendous. And uh, Purdue still came out the victor. A lot of Purdue haters on the text line at 46862 <laughs> this morning. I get four, it. Six, eight, six, two. I get it because they're they're just they're seeking anything, any vulnerability to grasp onto. And, and someone's saying they already lost to Northwestern. Yeah, on the road. <laughs> this was a home game. They took care of business. Uh, here's here's my thing. Zach Eady is going to be the national player of the year. All right. Everyone can complain all they want. We've gotten past the he's just tall narrative, which is a relief. Because I, I, that's just tiresome at this point. And now this is a Purdue team that is so much more than just Zach Eady, right? Last year it felt like it was Zach Eady and a bunch of guys. This year it's Zach Eady. It's Braden Smith. It's Lance Jones. It's Fletcher Lawyer. It's uh, and, uh, you know another guy who could step up on any given night. Trey Kaufman-Rin, Caleb First, um, Mason Gillis, who had 14 last night. There's just they are so much more than the team that they were last year. Also, they're hungrier, and I think that's the other part that people don't want to think about. This team is so motivated to get past what happened last March. Four six eight six two. Plenty of text coming in about Purdue, and anytime there's any vulnerability with Purdue, people like to chime in. I look at it too because we've talked about UConn and Houston as being those other top teams. UConn. At one point in just before Christmas, went to an average Seton Hall team and lost by 15 points. It and I don't know what goes on in the Northeast, but if Purdue had done that and went to an average team and got lost by by 15, we would still be being reminded by it yes. on the text line. Oh yeah, 
is, well, look, at Purdue, they lost to Seton all by 15. Or let's say it's Minnesota. They went to Minnesota and lost by 15 points. Houston's lost two games, including to Iowa State. I think the other one was, what, to TCU. Both really good teams. Uh, but even TCU losses kind of, uh, and they were back-to-back losses. And if that would have happened for Purdue, the text line would have been blowing up about Purdue falling apart because they had lost two straight games. So even the elite of college basketball this season have some mulligans. And yes, recent history has proven that Purdue can't get it done in March. We feel this year is different. We could be very wrong. And our texters will let us know if we are wrong. But it is interesting that any sign of weakness for Purdue, when they come out and don't play 100% impressively, then people are ready to jump on. Well, I mean, this text says it right here. They and the officials took care of business. It was eight <laughs> on five. If you deny that, you're not being honest with yourself. <laughs> Purdue made shots. Northwestern made a ton of shots. Uh, look, Purdue won this game. Uh, the, the officials did not win this game. I mean, come on. I, uh, I, I will say ugh. Northwestern got screwed in terms of the, the free throw discrepancy. But Purdue is 20-2. and two. This isn't happening every game. Uh, were they helped by calls? Yes. But you know what? Your top team at home and the environment that you're in and the style of play you play, sometimes it's going to happen. We all know if that was IU shooting 46 free throws, they'd go like 20 of 46. (laughs) (laughs) And IU fans would have no problem if the discrepancy was 46 to 8. No. Uh, Someone else saying UConn was down two starters at Seton Hall. Well, they've had injuries all season. Yes, they've they've had to overcome a lot of that. Donovan Klingon just came back, and he was out for a while. So I, I guess, I don't know. Like, yes, you can use that and... But if Purdue were to have that same result, people would be lighting up the text line. Absolutely agree uh, that that with you, Justin, that that's what would be happening. Look, Purdue has two losses on the season, both in conference play. One uh, to Northwestern on the road in overtime, and the other to Nebraska on the road where Nebraska shot lights out from three. That's it. Yeah. And if that's, that's, if that's what it's going to take to beat Purdue, just a ridiculous hot shooting night from three... I think Purdue fans will take that every time because look, there there have been games just like last night where the opponent was hot shooting from outside, fourteen to twenty-seven. We saw what Alabama did. What they they made like what like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen threes against the Boilers. Purdue won that game. So Purdue has come at the best and gone toe to toe, and majority of the time this season they've come out on top. I will add this: it was great seeing Chris Collins go off on on Courtney Green. Like a lot of Big Ten fans were united in that last night. Yeah, That was just a, an epic moment, as we talked about earlier. Look it up. 45 seconds of greatness yeah. out of Chris Collins. This, this probably tops his knees and hands on the floor meme from a few years ago. <laughs> right? Yeah, It's it's close. Both it's are, are pretty great in because Big Ten lore. It's like he's out of control, but in control at the same time. It's amazing. He still shows respect, shakes Matt Painter's hand. He... Uh, he dabs up Zach Eady. You know, he's uh, he's given thumbs up to the crowd, uh, yet he was having to be held back from the officials. It was great. It had everything. It was incredible. 46862, again, the text line number 46862. Coming up on the other side, Gardner Minshew's Pro Bowl selection. What does it mean for his future as a Colt? Caleb McKinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. A little bit of third eye blind for you here on a Thursday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny, text line always open for you at 46862. 
46862. Just put in CK before your message. It's been busy this morning. Yeah. A lot of uh, people reacting to Purdue Northwestern last night. A couple more I want to get to. Uh, CK, IU fan and detest Purdue, but you have to give credit where credit is due. Purdue looked great. Someone's saying, would Chris Collins leave Northwestern for IU? Would IU be smart enough to hire him? No, because IU, if they're going to replace Mike Woodson, which I don't think happens after the season, unless something crazy happens down the stretch. Right. Uh, I think it happens next year if it's another bad year. But IU's got a, they got a hired IU guy, right? Yes, Dusty of course. May. That's what they got to do. Dusty May, Steve Alford, you know, Brad Stevens with the connection to Indiana. Like, you ha- it has to be an Indiana person because that's worked so, so well, right? Yeah. I mean, why don't we just like start naming random IU players and, and that's well, you said Bracey, it. I said Bracey, Bracey Wright. Wright time. It's time for Bracey Wright. Uh, I'm going Make Harris, Harris Mouyezinovich is my guy. <laughs> Who? <laughs> you don't remember Harris Mouyezinovich? No. Oh, I do. I do. Maybe, what, maybe what Todd Lindeman. I remember uh, Todd Lindeman. I think Harris Mouyezinovich was like 94, 95. Maybe. Okay. So I was like five years old. Yeah. You come on. Get with it. Pass. Get with it. But uh, I want I Peter I, Jerkin. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that worked. Was he part of the, the bowel yeah, movement? Yeah, yes. He Peter was. Jerkin, Yogi Ferrell, the only one who turned out to be anything, obviously. Uh, Ron Patterson. You have Hainer Perea. Yeah. Um, man. And then, uh, oh, uh, uh, Jeremy Hollowell. Oh, that's right. That worked out. And well. there was like one other guy, right? It was quite the movie. There were five, right? I thought I, so. I named four. I, I can't remember Somebody the fifth Somebody help us guy. on the text line. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody name us the bowel movement for IU. <laughs> the movement, the IU movement. 2012. It's a iconically bad recruiting class. I have said to... Uh, I said oh, this. someone said time to throw Matt Ross name in the hat for IU. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's doing, right. doing very well at uh, Blackhawk Christian. I already won a state championship. So um, I will have to text Matt and say, has IU been in, in, <laughs> uh, in contact with you quite yet? Uh, we'll have to see. He'll laugh. Yes. Um, I did make this point to you during the break is... We seem to be at a time where Purdue fans have zero time. They don't even factor in IU as a conversation piece. For This rivalry is all about going back and forth, and, and you can argue about Knight and Katie and Big Ten championships and banners and all that stuff and this, that, and the other. It just has no impact right now. And it's, Purdue has almost outgrown it at this point. Not to say that it, it doesn't come back down to earth. But it seems like Purdue fans, there is they just don't have time for Indiana. It's like the little brother right now, and I know we're not going to get into the little brother discussion, but right now, Indiana is that little brother that keeps pestering the big brother, and the big brother just kept shooing him away, and like he's not even paying attention, but he's just kind of pushing the little brother away. That's kind of where Purdue fans are right now with IU fans. IU fans try any little way to tear down Purdue. It's the little brother going after the big brother anyway, and the big brother just has no time for it. It's, it's not even worth acknowledging. It's, yeah, it's not even worth acknowledging. That, I think that's where we're at with Purdue fans. Is like they don't even care what IU's doing. They don't have to. They're care. such a non-factor. And IU was like, "Look what you did. You lost in the first round. You can't do this, this." And they're like, "Hey, go away, go away, go go down and play with the teams that are trying to." All beg Purdue their way had to, the to do was just obliterate Indiana at Assembly Hall, and all of the three out of the past four and Purdue first round, all that talk gone. Yeah, um, it's just it's. It's it's weird and and like on social media or anything like there's just no back and forth between IU and Purdue fans where there traditionally is and I really think it's because Purdue is just above it. It's just like you know go whatever go 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 fight your way into the tournament go go be on the bubble we got bigger things to worry about than you. It's it's pretty amazing. You know it's not amazing. 
The fact that Gardner Minshew made a Pro Bowl. <laughs> uh, we've talked about the absurdity with Pro Bowl. And I yes. saw this yesterday because there were predictions on where certain players were going to land. And Gardner Minshew, at least per ESPN, will not be a Colt. Yeah, well, and, and did the Pro Bowl selection just up ah. the price value for Gardner Minshew? I, I think this is a, a key conversation point because we went into this saying... Gardner Minshew is a guy the Colts absolutely need to do everything they can to retain, even if it costs them some money. Now you add in that Pro Bowl selection, which I'm sure he gets a bonus in his contract for that, right? Probably. Even though how the Pro Bowl works, it, it you know, to me it should be if you're the initial selection. Um, but with how that works, I, I I read something yesterday that his price and he was on what a one year three and a half million dollar contract. Is that right? Basically saying he could get double. Mm-hmm. On the free agent market. As a starter. So, so let's look at, at, at Denver, for example. Because Russell Wilson's done in Denver. He's not coming back. And if Denver goes after a young quarterback of sorts, if they draft one, we saw how it worked out with Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis with a young quarterback. Granted, that quarterback got hurt, but by all intents and purposes, was a very good mentor to Anthony Richardson is why wouldn't Denver want that? And and I think you mentioned it, the catalyst being to the Pro Bowl, as inconsequential as we feel it is, is really going to open more eyes around the league that say, hey, this guy can be a stopgap until our young quarterback develops. Well, and to me, I mean, it just, the Pro Bowl selection, all it, it doesn't hurt your contract value, right? It's only going to push it up. And for the Colts, I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to pay everyone they want to pay. Right? Yep. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr., we think's coming back. But Gardner Minshew, Zach Moss, are they coming back? I, I guess I'd be surprised at this point. And here's the thing with Gardner Minshew, because people, we're not saying the Colts don't want to bring back Gardner Minshew, and will probably try. They'll offer him. But they can't, the Colts can't pay him as much as maybe a Denver would in terms of trying to be the starting quarterback for a year. And Gardner Minshew wants to be that. He knows he's not the long-term answer in Indianapolis. He knows he's going back to QB two as long as Anthony Richardson is healthy. But if he goes to Denver and you're only battling right now, Jared Stidham as a quarterback and whoever Denver brings in is that could be more advantageous for Gardner Minshew. What he's done personally is taken 2023 and at the very least earned himself a pretty good payday from somebody. It may not be the Colts. Yeah, I, I'm starting to have my doubts that he will be retained for the Colts. And you just kind of wonder, where do they go from here, right? As far as a backup quarterback, because I still don't feel confident in having you know, a, a question mark at backup when you, you essentially have a rookie that you're throwing out there in Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the Colts value Gardner Minshew brings, but I also think that he opened up plenty of eyes around the league into what he could be. He led a team that wasn't supposed to win very many games to a lot of wins, more wins than anybody thought that they could get, and and on the verge of the playoffs. Denver is going to see that and say, can we get that with what they feel is a really good defense and maybe make a run, or at the very least, be a stopgap until they develop a young quarterback. And if Minshew can get more money elsewhere, then he's going to go.
And are the Indianapolis Colts going to pay Gardner Minshew enough money to essentially be a backup quarterback? I don't think so. You should. They, they should. I agree. But I just, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's the reality here. So, C.M. Ellinger, QB2? Uh, I you sure you hope should, not. I think you should go out and get somebody. Um, somebody made a good point because I was talking about Purdue fans just not having the time of day for IU fans and talking about Purdue chance IU sucks in every game. Th- those are the students. I have no time for students when we're talking about this argument because students are, are dumb. They do that. Yeah. I'm it, talking about actual adult Purdue fans. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. And they don't also, have the are the students wrong this year. They, are they, have they been wrong in recent years? No, they haven't. Uh, I've, already, I've already spoken about the absurdity of the chant, but they're not wrong. They're not wrong. That's all we'll say about that. I don't think they should be saying it when they play Penn State at home on a Tuesday night, but they are accurate in their assessment. Uh, someone texting in at four six eight six two. Lord help the team who gets Minshew Steichen made him this year. Look at 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 uh, Hertz and how he did without Steichen. Great point. It's definitely a, a good point, but I think you look at Sean Payton in Denver, and he's not looking at it. It's going, oh, Shane Steichen did that. I'm not going to be able to do. I think Gardner Minshew. I think Sean and, well, thinks, and coaches themselves all look at it. I can I can do this. Yes, I, I can, can fix this guy, or I can make this guy great. Or I can take over because that's how coaches work. That's how they are. But I also think you're not looking at Gardner Minshew as he's the missing piece to a playoff run necessarily. He threw 15 touchdowns and nine interceptions this year. Wasn't that great. Uh, His his QBR was 59 and a half. Uh, So it it wasn't great. His QB rating was 84.6. So it's not blistering, but I think what he can bring a team with a young quarterback and a and a a some young players, I think is advantageous. I think the point we're saying is we don't put a lot of value on making the Pro Bowl, but the fact that Gardner Minshew is, I think, raises his profile around the NFL to where, at the very least, the Colts are going to have to pay more money to keep him around than they otherwise would have. This feels like the thing that perhaps prices the Colts out and gives Gardner Minshew a lot more leverage. In free agency. But that, I guess that's my concern here. But that's my thing too is the Colts shouldn't shy away from paying Gardner Minshew because they saw the value firsthand of how important a good backup quarterback can be. Now the silver lining is the, the relationship between Minshew and, and Steichen, right? And if Correct. Steichen can go to Ballard and say, hey, this guy's worth the money. We saw what he did for us last year. We keep him on. The problem is you dedicate that much money, right? Seven million to a backup quarterback. Like it's hard to justify. I think we're in a day and age in the NFL where, but that we is saw justified. this season, right? We we saw how justified a quality exactly. backup quarterback is. I think it's justified to pay a lot of money to a backup quarterback. How many teams had to play a backup quarterback this year? How many teams had to play a third string, fourth string? Talking about Cleveland, and they still made the playoffs. I think the most important position on the football field is a quarterback, the starter. And you could argue the second most important position on the 53-man is the backup quarterback. And I think you're going to see in the NFL more of a concerted effort, I think you're already seeing it, to make sure you have a competent backup and you're going to have to pay that competent backup. The question is, will the Colts pay that competent backup? One other note before we wrap up our number one on the show. 
Uh, F1 rejecting Michael Andretti's bid for an American, a true, I get it, Haas F1 is in theory American-based, but they've never had an American driver, uh, but an, an American team, an F1, claiming that it would hurt competition, and then Andretti would gain more uh, from this than F1 would gain by having the Andretti name and formula. It's all laughable, right? And the FIA put out a, a, a statement this morning. They're not thrilled even uh, about the move, so we'll see how this plays out, but hopefully there's some sort of change in the situation. Also, the other big news in F1, Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari. In 2025, which is a huge deal. Both are huge deals if you're even casual uh, followers of Formula One. Here's it breaking it down the Formula One. There's 10 teams, okay? There's 10 teams, two cars each, 20 cars, okay? For Andretti to get into Formula One would be involve an 11th team. So take a pie and you cut it 10 ways. The teams don't want to cut that pie 11 ways, they don't want to share the money. 11 ways as opposed to 10. That's why Andretti's not getting it. The excuse of them not being competitive is just an excuse to say, we don't it, want to share the it's money. It's a joke because they'd probably be mid-pack day one. Uh, they'd be more competitive than at least three teams. And and to, to be clear, one team won all but one of the races last year in Red Bull. So if you're talking about competitive, and the nobody's, competitive. Grid, nobody's competitive with Red Bull. So it's an absurdity. Uh, that Andretti's not, and this is the bad thing is they they kind of push and say, well, we'll, we'll reevaluate it in a couple of years. Well, when they redo the Concord Agreement, which is basically like the bylaws, uh, the financial bylaws of F one. Right now, um, Andretti would have to pay twenty million dollars each uh, no, no, to no. the other ten teams. Oh yes, yes, yes. two hundred right total. Two hundred. They'll total. probably make it five six hundred million. Yes, it, it it'll go up by twenty twenty eight. So they're going to say, hey, yeah, you can't get in, but in a couple of years we'll reevaluate. Well, you, right now you're paying 200 million of other teams that'll probably double by the time it comes to 2028. So they're basically going to have to buy an existing team to get in. That's the only hope for Andretti to get in. Which they thought they were close a couple of years ago with the team that is now Stake F1. You know, a well-known brand that's named oh, after yeah. like what a casino. Yeah, uh, well, that used to be than, Alfa Romeo. Yeah, it's better than uh, what is it, Visa? Car- yeah, Visa Cash App Red Bull. F1, which is what used to be Alpha Tauri, which used to be Toro Rosso, the, the Red Bull B team, essentially. Pretty much. But uh, maybe in a couple of years they can buy Haas because Haas is... Yeah, well, Haas doesn't good. seem interested in selling. Well, would be the, more losing will maybe force yeah, his hand in a couple of years. It, one would think. Coming up on the other side. Uh, time, to, time to get the text line ready. 46862. Oh, here we go. Uh, Purdue... Now set for their biggest game left on the schedule. In fact, it's coming up next. Purdue has checked every box this year. We'll play a little over-under for the Boilers in Big Ten play. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Hour number two here on a Thursday. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Thanks for being with us. If you miss anything in hour number one, don't forget you can always catch up on the podcast page. Uh, just look for it after about 11 o'clock each and every morning on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up this hour, Purdue now set for their biggest game left on the schedule. Coming up next, after last night's overtime win against Northwestern, we'll play a little over-under on the Boilers. Plus, Jerry Jones can't help but talk about Bill Belichick, what he had to say. And we'll talk about toxic combinations that had success in sports. Could this be another one to add to the list? And Joel Embiid 
and Tyrese Halliburton could both miss some NBA honors, two of the top players in the league, thanks to a very stupid rule. What Halliburton had to say and where things stand on them being able to qualify. Yes, qualify for awards that they very rightly deserve. And after 8.50 into the show, I'll tell you about a Pizza Hut sign in Canada that's going viral. Uh, They used the wrong word, and it was quite the mistake. Gotta love it. Yes. Very, very much so the wrong word. We'll get to it. You know what they say? No one out pizzas the hut. And no one out circumstances the hut either. Uh, Yeah, or circum something else. (laughs) We'll talk about it later. All right, so uh, 46862, your text line number again, 46862. Just put in CK first, and then we'll get to your message. Uh, don't forget, you can also stream us, 1380thefan.com, 1380thefan app. That's free to download or on your smart speaker. So listen on your radio, smart speaker, mobile app, or on your laptop or computer. So plenty of ways to listen. Purdue set for the biggest game left on the schedule. No, it's not hosting Indiana next Saturday. It's the Boilers traveling to Wisconsin this Sunday to play for the top spot in the conference. Remember, Wisconsin only has one conference loss. Uh, Purdue's played more games, though, so the the Boilers could hold the edge there. They've checked every box this season. One in Maui. Beat Arizona. One at IU. Finally one at Rutgers for the first time since 2018. They got revenge on Northwestern from earlier this season and even last year, for that matter. This is kind of the last regular season box they have left to check. And that's taking down Wisconsin. And and, and this is a, a Purdue team that I feel like has an edge to them this year. They certainly did not have that last year. Uh, and the, the real questions were starting to form right around this time. We, we don't have those questions this year. They only have two losses by teams that have shot lights out from three. Northwestern shot lights out last night, and it didn't matter. Purdue still got the win in overtime. Um, let's play a little over-under. On the boilers. All right. Number of Big Ten wins. I say 16 and a half. Take the over or under. 16 and a half, which means they need to lose two more games for the under. Yes. Correct? Yes. Uh, I am going to go the under. I think Purdue loses two more games. I think they lose at Wisconsin. Okay. On Sunday. And then they'll lose one more. Do you have an idea for that other loss? Uh, let me look at their schedule, remaining schedule here. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it won't be Indiana <laughs> at home. Uh, um, let's see. I don't know. It, that last game um, for them, because they have to play Wisconsin twice. I mean, they have uh, at Illinois. I'm going to say at Wisconsin, at Illinois are the two losses for Purdue to finish 16-4 and four in the league. I'm going to go with... Uh, they'll lose one of the Wisconsin games, and then that will be it. Okay. That's uh, I'm I'm all in. I've been all in from the beginning. No, I get it. I just um I I I don't know. I don't know if it would be the worst thing if if Purdue let's say lost Sunday and then won out. I just don't know if that's the best thing for Purdue. <laughs> I I don't disagree. Um, I. Here's one for you. What is more likely? Purdue wins the regular season Big Ten championship or Purdue wins the Big Ten tournament championship? Regular season. I think it's more likely for them to yes. win the regular season. I, I, I think so. Uh, one, they're not playing 
in Indy, right? Right. Uh, also, it just feels like the conference tournament being in Minneapolis, no, no offense to Minneapolis, but it's just going to be so far removed from the heart of the Big Ten, not being in Indy or Chicago. It's just going to be a complete afterthought this year. Now, they've announced that the tournament next year is going to be in Minneapolis as well, correct? Uh, no. They no? don't have a site location. I thought they had already said that when they came out with the new with the new uh, format that it was going to be in Minneapolis. Maybe I'm wrong. But I thought I swear I've read that. But I don't believe so. Uh, when you look at Purdue, I just think the, the desperation that some teams are going to have in the Big Ten tournament to try to get a marquee win uh, is going to cost Purdue. So I will also agree that the more likely is the regular season championship. What else you got? I mean, with this Wisconsin game, so they sell Wisconsin twice. That's the only really massive matchup. Yes, they have at Illinois. So I guess you throw in that game as well. So those are three games. You win two out of three. I mean, the the conference race is all but over. If Are people going to think less of this team, and is it going to hurt their seed line, though, if they don't win the Big Ten in the regular season? No, it shouldn't. I, I agree, because what they did in the non-conference was so big. Right. Let's say they... they fall a game behind Wisconsin, which Wisconsin is definitely playing themselves into what, like a two seed right. at the moment? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like all of a sudden you look and, and Wisconsin's ranked sixth in the country. Like, well, what happened? Just, but, they're winning games. I mean, they're winning ba- basketball games. I mean, you know, AJ Storr has been tremendous. Uh, Steven Crowell has been tremendous. I mean, Crowell and Wall and have been particularly impressive. And then uh, Max Klesmet too. In big moments. It's a very balanced team. They shoot well. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They turn the ball over less than 10 times a game. They make 77% of their free throws. Uh, it's, a, it's a really sound team, and it's going to be a big matchup for Purdue on Sunday on the road. And thankfully, they don't have a Brad Davison anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is very true. There is no with clown on the court. No clown. No clowns allowed. 46862, your text line number 46862. Let us know your thoughts. Does Purdue win the Big Ten, the regular season, the conference tournament, both or none? Mm. Let us know on the text line. 46862, just put in CK before your message. So you look at what Wisconsin's done. Here's my thing about Wisconsin, why I'm not fully buying in. Yes. So you look at common opponents with Purdue. Uh, Purdue beat Tennessee. Wisconsin lost to Tennessee. Uh didn't Purdue beat Marquette as well? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, obviously, Wisconsin beat Marquette as well. Um, Arizona, Wisconsin lost by 25 at Arizona. Purdue won. Training road versus a neutral, and by neutral, really a home game for Purdue uh, in that aspect. Big Ten play, I mean, it's just, it's not been a hard schedule. They have yet to play a single ranked team in Big Ten play. Yeah, and then they only will play. Purdue and and Illinois, they play Purdue twice and then Illinois, and that's it in terms of ranked opponents. Now, we've talked about the issue at the Big Ten being down this year, so naturally you're not going to have very many ranked teams because of where the league is this year. That said, you have to... I, I think Purdue has the best resume in the country, and so definitely better than Wisconsin. I, I'm just... I'm not ready to buy into Wisconsin because in their games against top teams, they have lost. Yes, I understand they beat Marquette, who was number three at the time. 
Marquette is clearly not the number three team in the country. Um, yes, they're a top 10 team. That was a good win. That That's the only quality win Wisconsin really has on the resume. But Wisconsin's just that team that you don't want to play um, in March in the tournament. It just they, they are so difficult to play against because they're so so fundamentally sound. And that can cause issues. 46862 Purdue, Wisconsin. Let us know your thoughts on the text line. Coming up on the other side, Jerry Jones speaks on Bill Belichick because, of course, Jerry couldn't help himself. What he had to say on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. And we want to hear from you, uh, your favorite successful toxic sports relationships. So the one I immediately think of is Shaq and Kobe, right? Yes. The, the three Pete and they pretty much hated each other the whole time. Yes. That would be at the top of the top. Of the if line, you right? have a, a better one or your input, let us know in the text line again, four, six, eight, six, two, just put in CK before your comment. Why do we ask? Because Jerry Jones can't help but talk about Bill Belichick, mm. even though he's confirmed that Mike McCarthy's coming back to the Cowboys next year, fresh off another 12 and five season and first round playoff exit. Cowboys MO yes. in the last 30 years now, 30 years, legitimately 30 years, right? Yes. Since they won a, a Super Bowl. It's been, been, a, been a while, been a little bit, but everyone wants to see this happen, right? I, I want to yeah. see this happen. Uh-huh. This sounds incredible. Uh, Jerry Jones on Bill Belichick said, we could work together. <laughs> now, desperate call, times call for desperate measures. If Mike McCarthy can't get it done next year, all bets are off. If if Jerry Jones is still of the opinion that that the Dallas Cowboys are just a head coach away, of which they're not, they're yeah, a they're quarterback, quarterback away, away, then I could see him going after Bill Belichick. Here's a question. Hypothetically, if Andy Reid retires... After the Super Bowl, which there are murmurings that that potentially could happen, uh huh, would the Kansas City Chiefs look at Bill Belichick? Oof, I don't know. That's uh, the problem. Is I think it'd be a better fit if Eric Bieniemy was still there. Right, he's not. So, and Andy reads the offensive mind. So, uh, I I guess I I don't think so. That's my biggest hangup. Is you have Andy Reid who calls the plays, and Bill Belichick's not going to do that. And Eric Bieniemy is still the OC uh, in Washington, correct? Um, yes, as far as we know. I would imagine Bieniemy would probably be on the four the, the the foremost guys to maybe get the head coaching job in Kansas City. Would Kansas City go Bill Belichick head coach and bring back Bieniemy to be the OC? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's more likely Bill brings his people. Probably. That's true. But uh, I don't think... I mean, here's another thing. If, if, if Buffalo doesn't get it done next year, do they hire Bill Belichick for 2025? I just... I, I don't think there's a market for Bill Belichick as a head coach. The, the only one who would do this would be Jerry Jones. Because yes. Jerry Jones is a complete wild card. Is the only owner crazy enough to do something like this correct everyone else said no yes 
And I just, he got one interview this offseason. It was in Atlanta. And I could they see, said no. I, I could see a des- if you're a rebuilding team, it doesn't ma- it doesn't make sense to hire Bill Belichick, for sure. If you feel like you're in your window, and I look at three teams that think they're in the window at least, Kansas City, of course, is, and then you have Buffalo and Dallas. If a Dallas or Buffalo get desperate after next season and fire their coach and say, our window's open, it's going to close, and we need to make a hire, let's go Bill Belichick. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I could see it happening as opposed to going with somebody that's maybe a first-time head coach and seeing how that goes, et cetera, et cetera. And of those teams, I could say definitely to be Dallas. I don't think the other teams make that move. I mean, people love to watch a train wreck, right? And Bill Belichick in Dallas, which to me... would be phenomenal. This would top what happened in the Green Bay game a couple weeks ago. Like a full season of Belichick in Dallas and all the pressure. I just, I think Belichick's smart enough to not do that. Do we think Jerry Jones actually thinks the problem with Dallas is Mike McCarthy as opposed to Dak Prescott? I don't. Dak Prescott. I, I, I mean, he said we'll go as far as Dak can take us, right? I mean, he's, he's been, but Jerry loves Dak. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's not Mike McCarthy. Jerry, he loves Dak. He's been loyal to Dak. Dak's his guy. And that ultimately is the issue here for, for Dallas is that Jerry is so loyal to Dak that he can't realize that a quarterback of his caliber, who's good, in fact, coming off what is his best season, right? Yeah. In the NFL, still in nothing in the playoffs, his quarterback in that $55 million cap hit, that's the reason why he's not winning in the postseason. Right. I mean, every other piece is there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, C.D. Lamb should get the mega contract. I, I'm fully in agreement with that. But Dak's That's contract really is, good defense. is yeah, the defense is exceptional. I mean, they got star players abound. They're probably going to lose someone on the offensive line, right? Tyron Smith, right, might, might leave in the offseason. But, like, they have all the pieces. They just don't have a quarterback who can get them to the next level. This this is kind of like the Rams, you know, how they thought Jared Goff, who got him to a Super Bowl, but they didn't believe he could get him to that next level. So they go out, they trade for Matthew Stafford. They get it done, right? This, pretty well. This is what the Cowboys need to do. Trade Dak, get the guy you think who can get you to that next level. And, and to be fair, I don't know who that guy is currently in the NFL that would that you could trade for. The teams, you know, there isn't like a quarterback who outside Russell Wilson, because his team rejected him, and I don't think Russell Wilson's the answer in Dallas. I, that's that's the issue is who identifying that quarterback who wants to be traded and finding that trade partner because I don't think they exist yet. Couple of texts coming in. Jerry Jones is delusional as Cowboys fans are. Also. Bill Belichick to the XFL would be amazing to watch, which is yeah, now no, the, the UFL. UFL. Yes, it's a United Football League. So now everybody's going to unite and watch the UFL, of which they will not. I do think that Jerry Jones's issue has been he's been loyal to the wrong people in the last couple of decades. For a long time, it was Jason Garrett. Uh, now it's Dak Prescott. Uh, even Wade Phillips, he kept around for way too long, in my opinion. Uh, he just... Back in the day when he was pushing all the right buttons with Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer and, and stuff like that, I think everything was working and Troy Aikman and all that. But now he just, he he hitches his, 
his 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 star to the wrong wagon, and it's cost him. And right now, he is more locked in with Dak Prescott than Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, in our opinion, isn't the problem. It's Dak Prescott. He can't get it done when it counts. But sounds like from Jerry's comments, he's more looking at an upgraded head coach as being the the answer, which won't be. And again, Dak is is very confusing and non-committal on a Dak press or, or Jerry is very confusing and non-committal on a Dak Prescott extension. But to me, I mean, the, again, it's the contract. Yeah, you, you you can't be paying Dak Prescott that kind of money when he's just not that good of a quarterback. He's a good quarterback, but he's not. He's getting top level quarterback money, and he simply is not that. Yes, no, correct. And until Jerry Jones realizes that, Dallas is still going to underperform. That's just the reality. But you know what? It's great for all of us. It gives us great fodder on the show. It does. And everyone across the country, great fodder fodder to to just laugh (laughs) at the Cowboys and their failure. Laugh at Cowboys. Cowboys fan texting in 46862. Jerry Jones is stuck with Dak for the foreseeable future. There's no one even on the market worth trading for. Only hope now is that Dak pulls a miracle in the playoffs. Yeah. You're, 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 you're committed to him, I guess, but you know, uh, the fact that you aren't even entertained, I don't know if you could trade him, but at the very least you could bring a young quarterback in, maybe start at least grooming a successor, but that's not even being considered in Dallas. Yeah, it's it's absurd. And again, when you overpay guys, this is what happens. They took a risk, and Has Jerry's now resorting to saying uh, he likes Bill Belichick. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. <laughs> Whatever. And we Jerry. would love to see it. Yes, I'm yeah. all in. As am I. Coming up on the other side. Joel Embiid and Tyrese Halliburton both could miss NBA honors despite being two of the best players in the league this season. The number of games they can miss is getting shorter and shorter, what Halliburton had to say about the stupid rule. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We have breaking news this morning here from the 1380 The Fan studio. We do, and we don't know how to react to it. The sun is out. I, I can actually see sunshine outside it's it's beaming through the window and usually we're like oh we got to close these blinds the sun's in our eyes or whatever no not no we haven't seen this thing in seemingly weeks it feels like two weeks we 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 presumed it was up there because it was still light out but we did not have actual evidence that the superheated ball of gas (laughs) is still up there but we can confirm yes it is still up there and it is shining this morning in Northeast India. I did see it yesterday driving just south of downtown, running some errands after work briefly. Did like you think I, it was like a mirage? Well, did it I, was weird because did I, I see it or did I think I, I see I, it? I'm like, it, it was not clear enough. Like it was there and it was there briefly. I had yes. gotten a car wash and then I left. And I'm like, wow, the sun's out. Like what is happening? But there were clouds everywhere. So it was right. kind of, yeah, it would come and go. And car I'm wash squinting. Is a good idea, actually. And Normally, I'm I'm a sunglasses guy. I, my eyes are very sensitive to light. It's very annoying. But really? I was like, I'm just going to enjoy the squinting here. The, yes. I haven't even had to, to worry about this for a while. Seriously, we're going to do the very same here this morning. 
and uh, usually we close the blinds, but no, not this morning. Just it, it could hit fifty degrees, fifty degrees sunny today. I mean, it's it's barbecue weather. Get outside. Welcome to February. <laughs> yeah, you get to February and uh, winter's in the rear view, right? No, no. more, no more winter. No. Oh. Uh, we'll, we'll get our answer to that tomorrow, right? So. <laughs> oh, is that Groundhog Day tomorrow? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because that's very scientific. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing I don't understand, if someone who understands it can explain it to me, and I I went to college with people like from Punxsutawney, and I yeah. still couldn't understand. They're like, oh yeah, it's a big deal, and everyone loves the event. Like, like people very, dress up. And they're all very stuff proud like- of that event. Yes. I mean, it puts their town on the map, rightfully so. But what I don't understand is they're like, oh, the groundhog saw a shadow six more weeks of winter. And I'm like, well, according to the calendar, there are six more weeks of winter, right. regardless. But, <laughs> but then the problem is, is, is if today was Groundhog Day and it's sunny in 50, that tells you that there's more winter, right? He's scared of his shadow? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't, I don't get the whole thing. I don't get it either. I, 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 I highly doubt that a groundhog is dictating whether there's more or less winter. <laughs> but that's me. A uh, good text we want to address that we talked last segment, Belichick to the Cowboys, Jerry Jones open to the idea, which is funny because, well, he could have done that this offseason, decided not to. But someone texts in, you know, the problem is not Mike McCarthy. The problem is Dak Prescott and his contract. And a Browns fan texting in saying, wishful thinking here as a Browns fan, but I would love if Jerry traded for Watson. At this point, I would take Dak over him, and Jerry Jones would be the only one crazy enough to make some sort of move like that. Hmm. That is just so crazy enough that I can see it working. It just might work. But it takes two to tango. Would Cleveland be interested in trading Deshaun Watson? Well, I mean, they get rid of Deshaun Watson's guaranteed contract. But do they want to? Do they want to get rid of that contract? I don't know. I mean, he's been injured, right, the last two seasons. So they yeah. haven't really had a, a sample size. I mean, if, if there was a time to do it, it But they're would not be rolling now. with Joe Flacco long term. No, no, certainly not. So that would be the difficult thing is you're going to a, 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 a playoff team is effectively going to say we're going to reset at the quarterback position. That's a tough sell. Yeah. But. And two quarterbacks basically the same age, right? I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for Dallas. I just don't know if it makes sense for Cleveland, especially because Cleveland, you would think, would be willing to give um, Deshaun Watson one more year. Yeah, I mean, he's QB one for next year as long as he's healthy, right? Yes, they're not going PJ Walker. No, certainly not. But who knows? We'll see. Interesting idea, though, for sure. All right, from the NFL to the NBA, and Tyrese Halliburton speaking out on the 65-game rule to qualify for all NBA uh, honors and any other honors from the league, the 65-game minimum that was instituted to try to prevent load management and players not playing many games. But, of course, Halliburton dealing with injuries. He's on the cusp of missing out on all NBA and over $40 million that would be added to his contract. Uh, he is at the point where he can only miss three more games. Meanwhile, Joel Embiid, who leads the league in scoring, is set to miss several games. He had a left knee injury against Golden State Tuesday night. He could lead to more missed games. He's already missed 12, so he's closing in. Um, again, leads the league in scoring 35.3 points per game, but may not even be the MVP because of this rule. So we shall see. But Halliburton speaking out, and he said, I think it's a stupid rule, like plenty of the guys in the league. This is what the owners want. So as players, we got to do our job in playing 65 games if we're able to. So that's what I got to do. Take care of my body to be able to play in those games. And think you're seeing other players in the league 
kind of facing the same thing as long as the owners are happy. <laughs> now, is it a dumb rule or is it a dumb number? Dumb number. Rule? I think that's the thing is I think it should be 60. I agree. Because remember, before this rule, we were all complaining about load management and how players weren't playing in games. And oh, what about the fans who are buying tickets to these games, expecting to see superstars and they're not playing? That's still legitimate gripe. I think the rule is in the right is is addressing the right things, but maybe a little bit too uh, strict in terms of the amount of games you can miss. Now they do have a little bit of as far as exceptions. So twenty minutes uh, in a game, uh, you can you can have a couple of mulligans. So you have to that. play minimum of twenty minutes. Yes, for a game to count. As but one you of those get 65? like I think like two mulligans is my understanding okay. on this. So if you have a couple games where you play fewer minutes, you get a little bit of leeway there. Uh, so that's the first positive on this. If you suffer a season-ending injury, um, they can they can kind of evaluate that. So that's good. But again, you, you still have to play a minimum of 15 minutes of those two games where you have some wiggle room. Uh, and then they also have whatever this is supposed to, be, to mean, a, a <laughs> bad faith circumstance. Huh. So I would think the league will take this at some discretion. Yeah. But it's just, there's not a lot of leeway here. No, not at all. You would think you would hope that it gets adjusted to maybe 60 games, but um, we'll see. But it could definitely affect Tyrese Halliburton. The fact that Tyrese Halliburton's calling out the rule, of which the rule isn't the problem, it's the number of games. Uh, We'll see how the league reacts to that. Now, again, the NBA wants to make sure they have players trying to play in as many games as possible. Understandably so, because Kawhi Leonard uh, basically popular, popular, I can't popularize. Thank you. I can't Uh say it. Uh, Load management into the NBA lexicon and fans being upset. And I get it. Fans in the league want to make sure stars are playing all these games and not taking nights off against bad teams because people are buying tickets to see them in those games. But I mean, Halliburton stands to lose a ton of money, as we mentioned, over $40 million, uh, losing out on all NBA. I mean, there are real impacts here. And Joel Embiid, same thing. I I just, you think they could figure this out and change it for next year. I would think it does, but but it could be too late for Tyrese Halliburton and Joel Embiid, depending on what happens the rest of the season. And, And again, imagine if a player is off by one game. Not ideal. They play 64 games. Be tough. Be absolutely, absolutely tough if you're only playing those 64 as opposed to 65 games. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. But Embiid is, he's going to miss at least the game against Utah. It sounds like he could miss uh, more. He's missed 12 games this season. So he's at 70. Uh, Max games that he can play is 70. And so he has five games he can miss, five more. So we'll see how that affects him. And maybe the NBA will reevaluate this in the offseason because, again, it's just it's a silly rule and it's something that they need to modify because I, I think we both said 60 games would be fair. They went 65, which seems a little high. I mean, if you if you suffer like a an in-season injury and you're you're pretty much guaranteed to miss you know, a handful of games, if it's minor, if it's a, a more major thing, but you can come back like a broken bone, 
you're looking at perhaps a month, right? So it makes it really difficult. Yeah, it absolutely does. So we'll see if something changes for next season in the NBA with this rule. 46862, the text line number again, 46862. Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap it up. A Pizza Hut sign in Canada goes viral uh, for using the wrong word. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Final time here on a Thursday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. We had a question come in over the break talking about the NBA minimum playing time and do the players have to log time on the court itself or just have to be dressed and seated yeah, courtside? So tw- 20 minutes a game. 20 minutes. So it's not like a start and park type thing that you would see in auto racing where you start the race and then just immediately park it because you just want to collect the money. It's you do not, get a two-game mulligan of like 15 minutes yes. or less. But you can't dress, start the game, get pulled after two minutes and be done and have it count as a game has to be 20 minutes. I mean, 15 minutes is, is a quarter, uh, uh, one full quarter, and then a quarter of a quarter. <laughs> yes. So you do have to play a decent amount of time for it to be counted as a game. Again, I understand the NBA's thinking with the rule, but it's proving it's going to look really silly if one or both of Halliburton and Embiid don't meet the 65-game minimum. Uh, yes, and I think it's a rule that will quickly go away or at least be adjusted if that's the case. Correct. All right. Final story of the day, and this is outstanding. So a Pizza Hut in Ontario, Canada, went viral for, I wouldn't call it a typo. I would say it's more of an autocorrect issue. I don't even, In fact, I don't even know because you're typing on printed paper, so I don't even know how this happened. Are we sure this just wasn't intentional? Right. A restaurant in Timmins posted a sign on its door. It was meant to inform customers the dining room would be closed due to unforeseen circumstances. But there was an error. It didn't say unforeseen circumstances. It blamed unforeseen circumcisions. Which sounds terrible. Yes. Uh, Circumcisions to begin with, let alone unforeseen. But they spelled unforeseen correct. They spelled inconvenience correct. Um, I... I... don't know. Are they asking a, a 16-year-old to, hey, go print this, uh, go make this sign? And, and they did it as a joke? They did it as a joke? Because what? that I don't buy the autocorrect. Who's In what world is your autocorrect changing circumstances to circumcisions? Also, this is on printed paper. So I don't know what kind of computer at the, at the Pizza Hut, you know, is going to have, have it set up that way. Sure. It, um, it feels intentional. The shot now, Pizza Hut. Shop blame the typo on autocorrect. Easy to do, right? That's like the, I got hacked. That's it, exactly. I said something I shouldn't have said on, on social media. I got hacked. That's the thing. Darn autocorrect. I'm saying in what world does autocorrect change that? I'm calling BS. Yeah. I so think this was intentional. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, the Timmins and District Hospital Foundation uh, said on Facebook, Hey, Timmins Pizza Hut, stick to pizza. We'll handle these circumcisions. Uh, also, nice. the general manager of the Pizza Hut, Mark Gerard, made light of the spelling error. I'm sure it was an error. There was a new sign. They had a $5, $5 pizza deal. It said, in light of recent circumstances, uh, <laughs> uh, the sign reads, and it goes on to say the deal has no tip required. I get it. Yeah. I see what you did there. Okay. Uh, but I, I tend to agree with you. I refuse to believe this was some sort of autocorrect issue 
or typo. That's that's not a typo. That's a full word. It was spelled correctly. Yes, uh, I believe so. So I, you know, the uh, the Ontario um, Pizza Hut. We're on to to your games. I, I told you this yesterday. This is the ongoing debate on on evening and uh, and night and afternoon. What's yes. evening? What's that? So I'm on the phone yesterday with somebody for work, and at 4:02, they wish me uh, a good night. Have a good night at 4:02. And <laughs> it's afternoon. I, I immediately got off the phone and texted you. Like this is this is an epidemic right now. It's going on in this country with with I know everybody wants to talk about the quote unquote big issues, but we really have an issue with people thinking of what constitutes afternoon and evening. And wishing somebody at night, that's like wishing somebody in uh, March, like Happy New Year or something. Like, it makes no sense. I was very, very concerned after uh, I got off the phone. Last night, uh, a friend was telling me, so like he went to London uh, a few weeks ago, and on the overnight flight, people were walking around, not just with their shoes off, which is one problem. Their socks off? Their socks off. Gross. Yeah. Now, are these people just like wearing like sandals or flip flops uh, on the flight or something? Yeah, perhaps. No, there's still no excuse, but yeah, it's gross. Both the, both of these both of these things are legitimate societal problems. Yes, these are societal that problems. Need to be corralled, and we will continue to address these societal problems on this show as we deem fit. Yes, we will because it's a battle, and we're going to take them on one at a time. Yep, one day at a time, one practice at a time, one game at a time, one show at a time. Yes, that's right. One segment at a time. (laughs) That's how we take it here. For Justin Giddy, I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for being with us. Stan Patrick coming up. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Meet with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from 4 to 6. All here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.